0: Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast where we break down every episode of the 10 season show. Today we're talking about season seven, episode nine Losers Take All.
1: Mary, what happened this week?
2: Steve shows growth and maturity for three quarters of one episode, and Claire decides that's enough. Also, there's a boat race, and Dork is still a dick. <laughs>
1: I do love the first time we see Claire and Dick that he has all that zinc on his nose.
0: Mm-hmm, but he's also wearing a very long-billed hat, so yeah, it's not going to do its job. But hey, I'm no rower. He might be lifting his head up more and exposing his nose to the sun. I, I appreciate his desire to care for his skin
1: right he's probably just like my t-zone really needs the support (laughs) right now i don't care about this race i am very much in claire's camp here where
0: who cares this is stupid very much so i think she has a quote at one point where she's just like i don't think you guys understand how much this doesn't impress me like it's not exactly (laughs) that but you know in a nutshell yeah that's very close Yeah, because, like, essentially, if you guys remember last week, Steve and Dick made this bet, or not even a bet, just like a pissing contest, to basically see whose frats team is a better rowing team in a race. And Keg has never rowed before, so they've been having to practice for the last week. And there's trash talking involved and it is not any good. And essentially what it comes down to Steve wants to up the ante because that's, you know, that's a good thing to do when you're already in a pissing contest Just add Mm -hmm. more fuel to the fire. And so the loser team is going to end up serving the frats dinner plus their dates for one week, which doesn't really sound that bad. It doesn't sound that bad until we find out it was a seven course dinner. But also, who would want to have another fraternity make someone else a seven-course meal? Like, what would it be? Cheetos? Uh, Yeah, I'm feeling like (laughs) everyone
1: outside of Dick and Steve, and I think I kind of started thinking about this later in the episode of, like, what must everyone else be thinking? Like, (laughs) I think Keg is used to this by now, and they're like, yeah, sure, whatever, we'll go become a crew for a while. Mm -hmm. but then dick's uh fraternity is probably like first your girlfriend joins our team and now we have to race another fraternity for her ex-boyfriend and now we're in a bet
0: no i mean i guess the only like saving grace for that is that they're all guys and so they're all probably like Yeah, sounds right. You got to fight for your girl, man. You know, like, (laughs) I don't know. It's just so funny that, like, out of... I could see somebody like Kelly, maybe Donna, Valerie. I could see them actually enjoying the fact that, like, their boyfriend is, like, trying to defend their honor. Like, whatever. But Claire is the absolute wrong member of the group to do this for. (laughs) Like, so that's the thing. Like, the next scene we actually see... Claire literally says, I don't know what it's going to take to convince you that this doesn't impress me. Like, I wanted to put on Shania Twain's that don't impress me.
1: <laughs> I mean, with her shiny shirt, I feel like mm-hmm. she could be in a music video singing about how this doesn't impress her. Like, exactly. so you row a boat. Yeah. That don't impress me much. Exactly. I also, I will say I love in this scene that she makes that literary comment. It was like, I... I didn't even write it down, but she makes a literary comment about something. Steve gets it wrong. She tells him he gets it wrong. Then he gets it wrong a different way. And it's like, yeah, that's a Shakespeare character. I read the cliff notes in ninth grade. I'm not dumb.
0: Oh, <laughs> Steve. At least like, that's been consistent.
1: I know. I I feel bad that I'm bored by this and I don't care and I don't think they should have gotten back together. Because once again, Steve is in that moment where I'm just like, dang it, that was really funny and cute.
0: Yeah, and even like later on when they meet at the – I don't even know what you call it. It's just like the storage room, I guess, where you keep the the boats and the oars. I I called it a boathouse. Yeah, yeah. Like they have a good conversation and – It's just something that I don't fully believe. I think my problem with Steve is like, I have no problem with him attempting to do things to change his character or change his Mm -hmm. behavior and have another chance. However, I don't always believe him because as we've seen, this is a very repetitive behavior where A, he, he does something wrong, doesn't even think he did something wrong, is forced to apologize for something he doesn't think he did was wrong, and then says he's changed still doesn't understand the point and then makes another mistake so I still don't really think he understands fully what he's done wrong although at this point he can probably tell okay Claire doesn't really want this because she's had to spell it out for him so many different times but you can tell he gets her a little bit when he's like well I've decided to like stop hurting and start healing and I'm like Okay, I didn't hear an apology in any of this, but sure, Mm -hmm. sure.
1: (laughs) No, he got a flyer in the student union one day and was like, that sounds good. But, you know, to your point, and like Mary so succinctly put it, like, he acts mature for 75% of an episode, and that's good enough for everybody. This is the consistent thing we see where, yeah, this is an arc over, you know, let's say three or four episodes. I don't remember how far back the fire was. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, he'd been misbehaving before then. Yeah. But, yeah, he was, like, you know, being this horrible boyfriend, then a stalker, and now he's just, like, I'm rowing for myself now, Claire. Thanks.
0: And then she's, like, worked. You get me back. And it just goes to show you that, like, I guess the chemistry and the physical attraction to each other is just hard to deny at this point. Whether or not it's genuine, you know, feelings of, like, commitment type of love or eventually companionship type of love is to be seen. And I really don't think it's there. But you can tell that Claire just, like, can't resist him for whatever reason. It's the charm. It's mm-hmm. it's his bravado. It's his confidence, probably. And the fact that he was able to say something, whether or not it was true at the time. And so, like even when they get to the race and it's actually time to race, Claire ends up going to Steve instead of Dick to say that she's nervous. And he's like, just don't make it a big deal. Like it's, it's not a big deal. It's no big deal. And like Steve even, or Dick tries to come up to him and even trash talk a little bit more. And he's just like, whatever. Like he's so flippant now when he could really, like if he really wanted to impress Claire, he would just call the race off and say, we will, as a fraternity, or just me, because I don't want to ro- uh, rope my fraternity brothers in this, I will serve you dinner for a week.
1: No, I mean, they've still got to go through with it, and it's got to be, like, a two-minute-long two regatta, mm-hmm. which blows my mind that they decided that Keg was going to make it a close race. Yeah, like, They've been training together for like a week or two. I think last week was when they were falling out of boats because they didn't know how to get in. And we can presume that Dick and his team have been doing this for a while. Mm-hmm. But it's weirdly a very close race. And yeah, right afterwards, Claire goes up to Steven, tells him that she's proud of him and she hasn't felt that
0: way in a long time. And then she gets tossed in the water. For no reason. She loses her sunglasses for this. Nobody's like, hey, let me take your hat and your sunglasses. We're going to dump you in the water. No. She enters the water with sunglasses and comes out of the water without sunglasses. That would have made me so mad. And her hat is just like slowly
1: floating away. (laughs) You know she was wearing a full face of makeup. Mm -hmm. They actually probably put those sunglasses on her so they didn't have to do a full face of makeup. So when she comes out of the water, it's not just raccoon eyes.
0: That's a good point. That's a good point.
1: But yeah, race is over. Steve and the Keg brothers lost. They, you know, off screen go to do this meal. And then we get back to Steve that night where he is reading in the most uncomfortable looking position. He is like <laughs> slouching in a chair like I would, except he's holding his book up above his head. It's like he's posing for a sculpture or something. Uh, yeah, it was very much like look like you're reading. Mm hmm. And, okay, this is it. I wrote it down here. It's a Horatio Alger book, Mm
0: -hmm. which is
1: the guy that Claire had mentioned earlier in the episode. But most importantly, Steve dog-ears his pages.
0: He does not have a bookmark. I was
1: not happy about that. (laughs) And Claire is at the door. She didn't go to dinner. She didn't want anybody to go through with all of this stuff. And... Basically the entire point of this scene was that Claire came to get back together with Steve.
0: Yeah. That's it. And like, I hate it because they're so stinking cute together and they have so much chemistry. So I completely understand and agree (laughs) that the stare relationship is attractive It just really, really sucks that it seems like it's completely one sided and well, one sided, not from a physical standpoint, obviously that's there, but one sided from an emotional maturity standpoint and that there's just it's just this perpetuation of Steve's bad behavior that he never really quite learns from. And so maybe this is the straw that's going to break the camel's back. Who knows? But if we know anything about any of these characters, quite frankly, it takes a lot of time to change personality or behavior.
1: Yeah, I feel like I'm jaded at this point. It is season seven and I'm giving up hope on actually seeing Steve
0: change. (laughs) Like, it's got to happen at some point, right? I don't know. This show has made it (laughs) obvious that they are, the gang is much uh, quicker to kick a drug habit than change toxic behavior. (laughs) Like, David's off meth, Kelly's off cocaine. That was fast. (laughs) But Brandon God forbid ha- Steve learn how to be a decent human, and it took Brandon, like, six seasons before he, he was tolerable for us. <laughs> Maybe it was five. Maybe it was five. I but think still, was- that's five.
1: <laughs> it's just, like, they they should have drawn it out a little bit longer. They should have made them stay apart for, like, a little while. Like, we're watching mm-hmm. Boy Meets World, and Corey and Topanga are separated for, like, three months or something. Yeah. Which... Corey is still a horrible boyfriend. He has never been good in this whole time. No matter how many times I rewatch this show, I do not like Corey as a boyfriend. He's Ted Mosby. He's boring. (laughs) He's so boring. And then they're like, why did we break up? I don't know. Because you're boring. Because you're
0: boring. (laughs) You double date with Corey's parents two nights a week. Okay, but... Did love. It was very Sweet Home Alabama before Sweet Home Alabama when they do say at Disney World or Disneyland, Disneyland, Disney World.
1: It's Disney. It's supposed to be Disney World. And I think it's Disney World because of Epcot.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he says, when she says, why did we get back or why did we break up? And he literally says, so we could get back together. I'm like, yeah. And then the fountain. And it was magical.
1: (laughs) We literally just watched that episode last night. And the whole time we were just like, you can't just leave a tour group.
0: You can't just go
1: be with the dolphins. Those are
0: animals. They wouldn't let you do that. And see, the thing I focus on in that episode is that it has to be Florida because Topanga's hair, Daniel's hair, you can tell it's like succumbing to the humidity with every path. It's getting curlier and curlier. Like, (laughs) I'm like, girl, been there. Been there.
1: Yeah, the whole time I was like, there's no way they went to Florida. I was like, yeah, they went to Florida. Mm -hmm. Disney made them go to Florida.
0: Yeah, it's ABC. Like, they – yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And that's it. Steve and Claire are back together. So, Mary, what else happened this week?
2: Kelly has a dinner date with Mark after he teaches her a code based on the number of times the phone rings when he calls her. One ring means I'm crazy about you. Two rings means I want to be with you. In three rings, he waits to tell her until after their date, during which Kelly opens up to him about her cocaine addiction and most recent and most horrible ex.
1: And then he compares a cocaine addiction to eating ice cream late at night. Ooh. Yeah, I got over Mark real fast in this episode.
0: Yeah, it was just like... I understand that we are in 2022, and this phone code just doesn't – it's obsolete now, right? I mean, and we all remember what it was like to have home phones. Not necessarily when we were, like, really, really dating, though. Like, because I got a cell phone at 15. Was Mm -hmm. I allowed to use that cell phone all the time like I do now? Absolutely not. I was paying for the minute. And God forbid I hit the internet button because that was just – You had to hit end so many times, so many times just to confirm. Um, but the phone code was just weird. I'm like, okay, but the phone rings, I'm gonna answer it, I'm not gonna like wait for it to ring a certain amount of time and then pick it up. Because, like, what if it wasn't Mark? What if it was your mom? What if it was Mel? What if it was David? Like, they both have roommates, yeah, it's not always Uh, for you,
1: yeah, like. I got to be honest, if I was Claire Donna, I'd be like, can you make it stop? (laughs) Yeah. Like, I'm trying to study and this phone has gone off six times and no
0: one is picking it up. What does six mean? Well, and it's funny, too, you mentioned that because they don't even have productive conversations when they do – when, like, Kelly finally does answer the phone. It's like, all right, you tell them what the ring means and then you hang up.
1: Yeah, okay. The Mark and Kelly relationship would function so much better now with texting. For sure. Like, he could send her, you know, a pink heart emoji or a
0: bowl of soup emoji. Or the, my favorite one now is, like, the uncomfortable, like, squirrely face emoji (laughs) that I can't make while talking, but you know the one. (laughs) Yeah. No, like, the melty face or, like, Mm -hmm. the two fingers pointing at, like, we got options here. Mark can create a whole code. But I'm pretty sure I texted you one time. I was like, Legends characters in this episode, buy emoji. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that's really it for them. He keeps
1: calling and hanging up, which is so annoying and a little creepy in my mind. I don't like it. And then they finally have their date where, <laughs> I don't know, like – It was fine, but when he was like, this is authentic North African couscous that I learned how to make in
0: Casablanca, like, oh my god, you're so
1: pretentious.
0: (laughs) Well, and the fact that, like, she was like, whoa, when were you in Casablanca? He was like, in high school. That was, like, three years ago. I know. And then, yeah, I I know somebody whose family is from Casablanca. I don't think he ever lived in Casablanca, but his whole family is from there and he goes there every year. I'd have to ask him like how's our couscous? Is it <laughs> is it like verified North African authentic couscous or is it just like whatever? <laughs> I mean that's the thing. I bet North uh, I bet actual
1: authentic North African couscous. Amazing. Bomb. Yeah. Right? I just I don't know. The way that Mark said it while living in you know beverly hills or the hollywood hills wherever he lives in a house that his dad paid for like i just
0: i don't care i think it's just like for me it didn't matter where he lived he could have just grown up in some other area of california and i still would have the same opinion of him you know like yeah just he's because just mark the tv guy And I think that's the thing. He
1: hasn't hinted that like he loves to cook or that this is like a passionate thing or like this is my one dish that I really know how to make because it makes me feel, you know, memories or something. It was literally just like I lived in Casablanca for a couple of years because my dad wanted to bring TJ Hooker around the world, Mm -hmm. which is also an Aaron Spelling show. So, of course, they had to throw that in Ah, there.
0: Nice.
1: Yeah. As soon as he named a TV show, I was like Aaron Spelling did that show. I know he did. I wonder if that means that Aaron Spelling took his entire family to
0: Africa. So oh, that my God. Brings sitcoms to Africa. It's anecdotal. He's like, hey, writer, room, I need you to fit this in there. <laughs> this is important to me. Just just do it, okay? Yeah, the only thing I'll say with Mark is, like, I know he's got some weird qualities, but so far he actually has some good qualities. Like, he was being really sensitive to Brandon's feelings when he was bringing Kelly to the Halloween party at the pee pad and trying to encourage him to like find a date and kind of checking in with him um and then also like the whole i don't like that he likened her cocaine addiction to rocky road ice cream but i appreciate that he was like cool to listen and didn't freak out you know like he was like maybe in his mind he didn't know what to say So Mm -hmm. he's trying to lighten the mood a little, you know, like I don't necessarily think it was ill-intentioned. I just think it was, it could have been a foot and mouth situation. Like I have literally said in front of another, like one of my redheaded friends that I'm afraid me and Nate are going to have a ginger baby. Like that is the biggest foot and mouth moment. (laughs) So maybe Mark was like, I don't know how to react to this. I really like ice cream. You know, it's, I don't hate him. I just think writer's room could have been better about it but trying to lighten the mood i'm okay with yeah that's i think i'm just
1: not impressed sure i think that's fair yeah maybe this is like the theme of this episode these don't impress me much
0: yeah (laughs) so you know how to make couscous (laughs) yeah so your couscous is from north africa (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, and then later on, we just get that little, you know, short scene about his third ring means I'm falling in love with you, which I'm like, damn, these kids, they fall in love fast. And I guess I can't talk. Like, we all did too. Like, I'm pretty sure when you met Michael, and when you met John, and when I met Nate, we, quote unquote, fell in love very fast. But I'm like, damn, it was like three episodes. (laughs) I think about this all the
1: time. People constantly, in Boy Meets World, when they go to uh, Orlando and he was dating that other girl. They went on like one date mm-hmm. and then he goes to Orlando and she's like, oh my God, you follow me? I love you too. Yeah. Like, like, ugh. I every time. And yeah, I don't remember. John and I have been together too long for me to really remember when it happened or how long it took. I know I like was infatuated with him at first. Like, I wanted that. but I can't tell you when it changed and so I just assume I was more mature and I was like I at least waited until I had spent like seven days knowing them
0: yeah no not me I'm pretty sure it was very fast (laughs) it probably was it was probably like day two and I was like I love him so much and I need him yeah Yeah. like uh, yeah it's just so (laughs) funny when we're watching it the way we watch it and we're like damn mark you just got here like we just (laughs) remembered what you look like (laughs) we finally learned your name yeah
1: Mary, do you want to tell us what else happened this week?
2: Kelly also joyfully tells on Valerie to Brandon about her pregnancy and abortion and the fact that she made it all up. Then she goes to rub it in Val's face. Brandon goes full investigative journalist on the situation, grilling Steve for information. Tracy tells him he should talk to Kenny about it, so Brandon does. Kenny misrepresents the situation to make himself look like a lovesick fool and Valerie out to be a villain. Brandon decides to go full dad on Val and demands she go and do the right thing. So she gives Kenny his check back. So I need to know if y'all think that Diana's gonna find this check and that, like, in his pocket or something. And it just says, to Valerie Malone, one hundred thousand dollars for not telling anyone about our affair or your pregnancy slash abortion.
1: God, Kenny is like a serious Virgo, where he writes like the full reasoning on the check, full sentences in the note section.
0: The way he just, just
2: has to keep accurate track of his finances. <laughs> you know, he's I getting divorced, account. maybe.
0: He is an accountant after all.
1: Yeah. Are they getting divorced or not? Because at one point, (laughs) Brandon's like, like,
0: You're still married. This whole, the way you just described this storyline, I don't know if you guys have been up to date on the whole Adam Levine situation. Okay. Well, he supposedly had an affair with like this Instagram model, and homie is has been with his wife for like eight years and she is i think currently pregnant with their third kid she like showed the dms of him being like (laughs) it was so stupid and now people are using it on twitter very funnily but it says something like i just can't get over how freaking hot you are like it blows my mind (laughs) and like people are putting like i thought today i was like like a hot pocket (laughs) like anyway so she shared those dms and his wife has not commented nor should she have to but it's like he tried to do this whole apology thing where he's like i shouldn't have talked to anyone except my wife in a flirtatious flirtatious manner or something like that but this is so kenny bannerman where he's like full-on telling other girls that he's into them and he loves them and they're so hot And meanwhile his he has a full wife and full kid just like none the wiser you don't kiss like a wife god
1: (laughs) like ugh. i mean literally like yeah these would be the dms of the day where kenny is just like the things you know that my wife doesn't
0: right he would be like eggplant eggplant water droplet water (laughs) droplet like
1: (laughs) except because he's older i feel like he would lose the narrative at some point because i refuse (laughs) to believe
0: that kenny is good at anything he does (laughs) he would do the thing that like the iPhone iPhone iPhones do now where it's like you start typing in a word it prompts an emoji for you to type in as predictive text but sometimes it doesn't replace the word it just puts the emoji after the (laughs) word (laughs) so he would be like eggplant and then an eggplant emoji (laughs) oh man anywho
1: yeah so the, the episode opens Baby Frankie at the Peach Pit screaming because I guess they really wanted to be like, hey, remember, Nat has a kid. Mm -hmm. Not Joan. Joan's not here. Don't think about Joan. Just Nat. (laughs) And Val comes in. Okay, this did bother me that she comes in and picks him up and calms him down. And then it's just like, he's wet. Did you not notice this? Like, why does Nat have to be a bad parent? Yeah.
0: Make him a good parent. Make him just, like, busy, you know?
1: Yeah. Like... I don't have a baby, but I feel like if I was in charge of one, the first thing I would do would be like, are you hungry? Are you wet? Yeah. (laughs) Like, what else is there?
0: I mean, especially when they're
1: like that little, you know? Yeah. But then Kelly comes in and Brandon complains about the crying because I guess it's been going on for a while. And Kelly is just like, oh, maybe it's the company he's keeping. (laughs) Valerie. (laughs) It's Valerie. (laughs) Did you know I
0: was saying Valerie? She's so back to full on, I hate Valerie. Like, she took a reprieve for one minute, and she's like, well, never again. (laughs) I loved every second of this, because Brandon's
1: like, okay, fine, what are you talking about? She goes, nothing. She wants him to be like, what are you talking about? You have to tell me. She
0: wants
1: wants him to want to know, so then she could be like, Valerie's lied about everything. Oh, also...
0: She said she had an abortion. She didn't. Like, and the thing is, is I don't know what Brandon would get mad at the most. The pregnancy, the abortion, because the pregnancy would be with a married man. The abortion, obviously, is a very controversial subject in and of itself. Or the lie. You know, like, because some people can be like, you know, I don't like the thing you did, but it's really the lie. That made me mad at you, you know? Yeah. I feel like it's got to be the lie Mm -hmm. because
1: he's had an affair with a married woman. So I feel like the pregnancy thing, like maybe he does like, how can you be so stupid? But he's not going to be mad about it. Mm -hmm. He has no leg to stand on if he's mad about the abortion because Susan had an abortion and told him about it. And he was like, that was your choice. That's true. That's a good point. But not telling him. And lying about it and the extortion and the fraud and all those other words he throws out. Like, that is 100% what throws him for a loop for the rest of this episode.
0: Which, bold of him to assume that she would even want, like, she doesn't want to tell him. So, on the one hand, I was really mad at Brandon because I'm like, bro, who gives you the right? This is her business. If she told Steve, if she told Kelly, that's her choice. Like, she didn't want to tell you probably because she thought she was going to be judged that's that's the problem but he gets all like his like panties in a wad because she doesn't confide in him it's like okay but maybe look in the mirror to see if you've been a person you know worthy of being confided in yeah well and
1: you know kind of going off of that the next scene that we get with brandon is he catches steve in the kitchen i think eating breakfast or you know whatever And he confronts Steve about not telling him Valerie's secret. And Steve says, like, oh, I figured she should talk to a woman. And so Brandon goes, so you picked Darth Taylor? (laughs) The greatest thing. Yeah. It made me so happy. And every time he's like, right, church, wrong, pew. Like, everyone knows you don't go to Kelly about Val.
0: Yeah. And I think for Steve's. Now, we have our own qualms with Steve about that we talked about last week, but if it were any other person, Kelly would have been the exact right person to tell, right? Mm-hmm. And I still am just hung up on the fact that, like, yeah, okay, she told Kelly. She also didn't really tell Steve. He overheard. But now that Brandon is just, like, there's so many parts of this that Brandon's mad at. Because you're right. On the ethics side of thing. Like, the extortion, the fraud, all of that, I buy that 100%. Brandon has always been borderline holier-than-thou self-righteousness, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that makes sense for Brandon. Even the lie makes sense, but I keep getting hung up and I'm stuck on the fact that she didn't tell him and that's why he's mad. Eventually, it becomes the lie and then the the further morality issues, but I'm like, dude, Chill. It's not your business. Yeah. Everyone who is not Val,
1: you know, and to be fair, she did lie. It was all fake. But everyone who's not Val seems to think that the only way to handle this is that you want to tell your best friend you want them there for you. When, Mm -hmm. like, people process their emotions differently. Like, I have never been in this situation, but when, like, major things happen to me, I really need to, like, process it internally before I can – verbalize what's going on like mm-hmm. if I found out I was pregnant and had to schedule an abortion I'm probably not gonna tell my roommate whose house I live in who is like yeah gotten on me about stuff before like I know they say like this is supposed to be a brother-sister relationship
0: but she's right. not Brenda right and they don't have like it's not been shown to us some of those more tender moments like Mm -hmm. we get some of them sometimes and clearly like Brandon and Valerie cohabitating and things like that obviously are signs of good intentions because Val is kind of the black sheep of the group but yeah I think we're missing some pieces to let it fully sink in that he can be somewhat of a brother figure to her
1: yeah I feel like we always get he stands up for her and kind of like the gang tolerates her because of him But I don't think that really makes Val feel good, right? I also, now that I think about it, I find it hilarious that they all go to her club when they don't like her. (laughs) Yeah. I just just thought of that. Like, Kelly goes to her club all the time.
0: I bet you it's because they, like, get in free or something like that. You know, like, they're getting some sort of something. Yeah, I'm sure. Everyone is fully on board with the theory that she's lying like nobody thinks twice about that like at first you're just kind of like huh this kind of sounds weird but then it's like hold on it's valerie of course she's gonna lie everybody's just kind of cool to get on board <laughs> the next scene when we're out at campus at the condor's nest kelly sees val in line waiting for coffee and she is like the cheeriest brightest little sunshine She is like, oh, you know, it's just a good day to tell the truth. It just, uh, it sets you free. (laughs) And she has
1: that like head tilt where she's just like, it's going to come and bite you in the butt sooner rather than later. Mm -hmm.
0: I'll pay for your coffee. It's together. My treat. Dude, that was savage. I loved it. I mean, like, I also kind of love that she just so matter-of-factly was just like, I told Brandon, not just that you were pregnant and that you had an abortion, but that you lied about the whole entire thing. I loved it.
1: (laughs) And I love that Val's response was just, God, I hate you.
0: Right? Like, this is the fire, the passion that we've kind of been missing. It was so
1: good. Like, I wanted to smack Kelly in the face just because she was, like, so cheery and so (laughs) confident and so self-righteous, but, like, it – It was perfect.
0: Like, that was how she had to do it.
1: Yeah. And, like, Val had no response. She was just like, crap, now I got to deal with this.
0: Yeah, it's at the point now, especially, that she can probably try to lie one more time to Brandon, but, like, she has too many things going against her at this point for Brandon to actually believe her.
1: I really think if she – Hadn't told the Kenny lie of Kenny mm. going with her to the mm-hmm. abortion. I think she might have gotten away with it. If she had just made herself be out of the house when Kelly came yeah. and it was just like, I didn't want you there. So I went by myself. Right. Like, she might have gotten away with it. I think so too. But that's not what's important in this moment because now that we're on campus, we have to go to Brandon, who is still, yeah, like in his head trying to understand like any way that Val could actually have been pregnant and then had the abortion and not told him because it would blow his mind that she wouldn't.
0: Yeah. exactly. Versus, you know, lying about it. Well, and I kind of, I appreciate the way that he asks Tracy because he doesn't He's showing care to not reveal a secret that's not his to somebody else, but he's genuinely asking for somebody else's opinion. Like, say you're pregnant. And that part was I'm funny pregnant. Thinking, I'm pregnant. <laughs> he's like, very funny. Say you're pregnant. You get an abortion. would you tell anybody? And she straightforward is just like, well, yeah, I would need somebody. I would tell my best friend because I would need somebody's shoulder to cry on. And she says she would want to tell her best friend so she could have a shoulder to cry on right but then Brandon says well what if that shoulder was mine and that's when Tracy shows a little bit of trepidation and is like well you're not the easiest person to confess to which is kind of my point you know like he does Mm -hmm. come off as a little judgy I'm not saying he is and that he couldn't change that behavior it just sometimes you get give off a vibe that you would be you wouldn't have the greatest reaction.
1: Yeah. Well, and, you know, talking about how we don't have faith that Steve is going to change, like, this is a part of Brandon that I think is innate in him. Like, I don't think he can help that his initial reaction usually comes out or shows on his face. Like, he does try and, you know, be more compassionate and, like, he has grown as a person. But I do think that, yeah, like, there is a part of him that wants to go full Brandon right away on it. Yeah. And he also asked Tracy, he's like, well, what if you made it up? And she says she wouldn't tell anybody. And that's where he's like, okay, fine. Like, yeah, Val probably made it up because she didn't tell anybody. But again, she was having an affair with a married man. Like, it's more complicated than this. and For
0: sure. And and I think, too, she always intended on not telling anybody and then Steve overheard her yeah like this whole house of cards all it took was just some hot air from Steve Sanders and it came crashing down yeah just shut the door Valerie mm-hmm
1: but okay so this is when Tracy tells Brandon to ask Kenny and this is such a terrible idea like yeah. this this is that whole like you have to get both sides of the story. You have to talk to both people. You can't just talk to the person who like was on one side of this thing. That's why, you know, in sports investigations, to bring it back to the thing I know probably the best as an example, Mm -hmm. like if there is an investigation and the administration for a team itself is like, we're going to investigate internally. You're not going to get the answer. You have to go talk to the people right. that were involved in it on all sides and not just the coach or the player who was involved. Yeah. And like to that point, Brandon goes to Kenny's office who then is just like, things got out of control. I fell in love with the wrong girl. As soon as she said she was pregnant, it was give me the money or I tell your wife. Give me the money or I do the, the, the And he was like – 50% telling the truth because he does tell Brandon about how Valerie showed up with the back of diapers. Yes. But like, yeah, he makes this all out to seem that like Val is this diabolical schemer and not that Kenny led her on this whole time, like he was manipulating her to get to keep having sex with her.
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, and the fact that Brandon is a boy, I think is a totally different thing than if this had been Donna or Kelly or some random, you know, other friend of Val's who happens to be a girl like that. It would be an entirely different conversation because this essentially, like you said, it comes off as manipulative because he kind of acts flippant about his part in it and then uh deliberate mm-hmm. with Valerie's part in it. Right. Which I don't know. It's kind of crazy to me. Like
1: when Brandon didn't want to be with Lulu and she was pursuing him relentlessly, like I feel like he's been on the other side of this where he was the other person and the married person was like going above and beyond to try and force this to happen. Yeah. Like it just bothers me that he thinks he has all of the pieces together and then he goes home. And I hated that he was just sitting in the living room reading the magazine and not looking at her.
0: Yeah, this was very condescending. And I mean, yeah, Mary said like he goes full dad on this situation and he does. And but it's so it's so condescending. And this is, again, where I point out that Brandon has the attitude at times to be holier than thou and sit on some righteous, uh, self-righteous pedestal to seem like he is the better person than somebody else and he is just going to shame and guilt you until you do what he deems is right. And this is full disclosure. I have come to love Brandon. You guys know this. But there are still these little pieces of Brandon that I can't get over. And if he acted that way toward me, I would not ever be able to feel more comfortable telling him something that I'm less than proud of. Yeah, I mean, he starts
1: yelling at her. He's telling her, like, yeah, extortion, fraud, blackmail, all of these things that are actually crimes. hmm And says if she doesn't give the money back, he'll kick her out. So, like, you know, threatening her physical safety by not having anywhere to go because he doesn't yeah. know about secret apartment that's in her name, not that she can afford to pay for it because she has to give the money back. Exactly. But, like, Yeah. How could she still live at this place? She has
0: to move out. I don't know. Because I understand what Valerie did was wrong on a lot of different levels. Getting into a relationship with a married man is messy. Mm -hmm. Lying about being pregnant, messy. Lying about having an abortion, messy. Messy. I wouldn't go so far as to say extortion, but attempting to get money based off of a lie. Messy. I think what bothered me so much is that, like, all of those things are true. Like, all of those things are wrong. And Valerie even knows those are wrong. It's not like she's sitting here and being like, well, no, I did the right thing. Now, is she in self-preservation mode? Because she feels like she was led on and she was scorned and all this. Of course. Is that right? No. Is it understandable? Yes. She's doing what she can to survive. She has no family here. She has daddy issues, which I don't say that in a like condescending way. I mean that to be she straight up says later on that she got like a father figure like persona from Kenny. And that's why she trusted him. So clearly there's a lot of things going on with Valerie. So for Brandon to take some sort of moral high ground and shame her for it, that's, to me, almost worse. That's the thing that
1: gets – like both can be true at the same time. She can be doing something that is messy, morally gray, all the way to full on wrong, right? Mm -hmm. But she's doing it. And she's doing it out of an act of desperation. I don't want to say, but she's doing it out of an act of desperation. Excuse her. Like there's a lot going into what's happening with her. And Brandon has literally no right to insert himself into this situation. And like, it is his house. If he doesn't want her there, like I get that. It's just the yelling and the like, yeah, holier than thou repeatedly. Yeah. And it freaking works. That's what bothers me. Like Tracy comes over at some point and they have this like short conversation where Val says she's moving out and Tracy says that she knows what's going on. I love how many times Valerie's like Brandon told you and like a person responds to her and is like, I put two and two together. I figured it out. Like why I do guess. people keep saying that to her?
0: Yeah. Like nobody has actually, with the exception of Kelly to Brandon, has said – Valerie did this <laughs>
2: like it's like just- oh some messy bullshit happened Valerie yeah
0: Valerie,
1: like that would make me feel worse right but you know Val makes this comment that Brandon wants her to be more virtuous than she can afford and like very specifically she says that his virtue isn't her virtue isn't his decision exactly which like I feel like that is just it like full stop end of sentence she should move out they should not talk anymore she needs new friends
0: yeah she needs friends (laughs) yeah uh.
1: and yeah there's this quick moment where she goes to kenny and gives him the money back and he looks ridiculous (laughs) like i don't know he looks like he's supposed to be relaxed, but he's still got his suspenders on with his shirts kind of unbuttoned. So he looks very silly to me.
0: All he needed was like a cigar coming out of his mouth and a hat, like a, like a little hat <laughs> pointed down. He'd be like, say, uh, what do you got there for me, doll? <laughs>
1: and, you know, I'm going to try not to like repeat the same things I keep saying. But Michael comes out and is like, Dad, we were supposed to play together. Who are you, lady who appears at my house in the middle of the night multiple times? Like, (laughs) there's just no way that when Michael gets older, he's going to, like, feel bad about himself and not understand why and then go to therapy and be like, well, my parents used to fight a lot and there was this really pretty woman that used to come to our house. Like, poor Michael. He has to know, even if he doesn't fully understand, like, he's going to figure this out at some point.
0: Like, he knows something is up and he knows something is wrong. Yeah. But Val
1: gave this money away. They make it very clear that this is over. She's not going to be in Kenny's life anymore. He's not going to be in her life anymore. And she goes back to Casa Walsh, tells Brandon that she gave the money back, even though her club is on the verge of bankruptcy. And he says, better your club than your soul, because he's Brandon.
0: And luckily she like defends herself a little she's like i'm sick and tired of you preaching to me which yeah yes that is the that is the whole the whole thing the whole thing and then he tries to take this moment and make it a little bit more like levity and she's like you want me to sign a loyalty oath or do some drug testing i don't know exactly what she said i was trying to write fast yeah and he's like mm, oh the loyalty sounds good like She's being mad at you. She's not being fun. Yeah. And,
1: you know, she tells him everything that we've said, that Kenny let her on, and he reminded her of her father, and, like, not that she should have had to explain herself to Brandon, but she does. Yeah. And, I mean, it all rings very true to us. We've been talking about it for, Mm -hmm. you know, however long. And then, like, this scene ends, or at least my notes end, with Brandon telling her that she needs to basically clean up or she's going to get herself in trouble so deep that no one will be able to bail her out
0: and like i get that but this conversation would have been better suited for steven sanders yeah (laughs) like or at least in addition to you know it's different kinds of messy but still messy and they both are not learning from their behavior
1: do you think that They live with Brandon so that he can try and keep an eye on them and he just fails miserably. Like he just, after Brenda left, he felt a hole in his life where he doesn't get to be the quote-unquote older brother, even though everyone's the exact same age.
0: Yeah. I think
1: so. That's gotta be it. They had to make him dad. He's Jim Walsh. Oh, dear. These are his children. And... Yeah, there's, like, one last scene where Brandon goes to see Tracy, and they have a conversation, and then they go to get a meal together, and that's really it. There's, like, one final scene with Val, but it's with David, so, like, we'll get there. And speaking of, Mary.
2: Mel is worried about David having access to his $250,000 inheritance given his recent behavior. He asks Donna to keep an eye on him, and it's probably a good thing he does, because David is in a full-blown manic episode. Impulsivity, pressure of speech, overspending, irritability, night swims in the ocean with a quick dry off at your ex-girlfriend's house before you go clubbing, and maybe a little bit of buying into your other ex-girlfriend's failing business before making out with her a little bit. Yeah, okay.
1: So... Yeah. David, his mother, has manic depression. We have known Mm -hmm. since those episodes that that exists in David's life and that it's hereditary and that Mel has been concerned about that showing up in David's life. Right. That's been around for a while. And then this season, we just get Mel is worried and Kelly is like, well, he's not going to listen to me. And then Donna's the one that has
0: to bring it up. Yeah, that's kind of like they've for all of the pushing together and um what's the word I'm looking for? Like I guess siblingness that they created between David and Kelly in earlier seasons, especially uh their freshman year of college, they've kind of like separated that completely. Yeah. The the only other time that David has been you know acting like a sibling is when she was going through her cocaine problem and he talked to i forget who now brandon maybe yeah i don't
1: i know he goes to see her at rehab and he's like one of the first people i think he is the first person we see with her at rehab yeah
0: but it's like these scenes are getting fewer and fewer and farther between and now, yeah, like again, I keep going back to just them trying and trying and trying and trying and trying to put David and Donna together. Yeah. And, you know, to an extent, like we talk about how Donna is intuitive
1: and she was there when David found his mom in Portland. True. Like, she was there. But again, Kelly is his sister, Kelly is a psych major. Like, Kelly and Mel should have been able to be involved in this, but instead, it's just mm-hmm. Donna. And, I don't know, Kelly goes and, you know, does her thing with Val. And Mark.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because... It's interesting how, you know, the things that Mel's saying to Donna and Kelly is, like, David wants freedom, David wants respect, you know, he can afford this now. And... I don't... (sighs) It takes the entire episode for one person to realize that this is a level of mania. And I kind of expected it to be here. You know, that Mel was noticing it here. Yeah,
1: because like I said, we've heard him tell David that he's been trying to keep an eye out for warning signs. That he's worried it's going to show up in David's life. And especially when what happened with David's mom... Is Mm -hmm. that she wanted freedom. She wanted to be on her own. So she left and moved to Portland, went off her meds, and they had to go find her and save her. Like, I don't know. It just bothers me that we're – like, this is the first episode. It was really obvious, right? Yeah. I think they've hinted at it before. And if you didn't want to see it or you weren't looking for it, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But, like, I do think, you know – So we see Donna run into David on campus. He invites her shopping and then goes on this massive spending spree. They walk into like Brookstone and he just starts screaming about how much money he has and how Mm -hmm. he could buy her whatever she wants. And then he like flips out on the valet for there being a dent in Donna's car. Like – She makes a comment then that Mel is worried, but what she really should be doing is, like, immediately calling Mel and being like, this is what happened. You need to do something.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah, because everything that he was doing, the yelling, the – it almost, like – and I've never experienced um, a manic episode before that I know of. So Mm – It almost kind of seemed like adrenaline, you know, like it gave off the vibes of like of like or or almost being on some sort of stimulant drug, you know, like meth or yeah, cocaine, like very fast talking. I was expecting him to sweat, you know, Mm -hmm. like have like a sweaty brow and like, I I don't know, but it it was just I was just like, whoo. This is, because he couldn't even pay attention to anything Donna was saying. You know, mm-hmm. like, she even mentions the thing about Mel, and he responds, but he responds in paranoia. You know, like, his language fits very much like, oh, he's spying on me? Yeah. He aggressively kisses her out of nowhere. He talks about them flying to Cairo. Yeah. He's like, yeah, we have to leave now so we can make our flights. Right. And with the whole valet thing and the scratch on the car, it just kind of like snowballs out of control. It
1: really does. Like, it just keeps going. Like, you know, presumably they split up at this point. We just don't see anything more until in the middle of the night, everyone's asleep. Donna is in her jammies. David shows up soaking wet in his underwear. And I guess like, you know, what went through his mind is that he called her, his mechanic to get her car fixed, went and rented her like a Porsche or something, like a yep. very nice car, and then drove it over to her house in the middle of the night. Who knows what he's been doing for the hours before this. And then rather than just come up to the beach apartment, decided to go for a
0: swim by himself in the middle of the night. And then when he gets into the beach apartment, she wants him to stay because she's like, okay, clearly this is – something is wrong like no mm-hmm. no more it was this just a, a weird thing that had to do with his money now this is something wrong yeah like so she wanted to get him to stay in one place but he wasn't listening to her again you know it's almost like he couldn't he couldn't process anything she was saying and he starts going on and on about this new club that he wants to go try also it's like the middle of the night too I I assume it's at minimum midnight. But let's just say it's, like, 2, 3 o'clock. That club wouldn't still be going, I wouldn't think. Like, last calls are usually 2, 3 o'clock.
1: Yeah, I don't know what it's like in California. I know that's right. definitely what it's like in Georgia. Yeah. And I I feel like that's a thing in Georgia that, like, our clubs close early or something. I don't oh, know. well,
0: never mind then. It could
1: still be open. <laughs>
0: don't listen yeah. to me.
1: No, there's this one – Twitter that I follow that's constantly like, how would you fix Atlanta? Or like, how would you make Atlanta more of a blah, 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 like constantly posing that question and then retweeting the answers. And so many of the answers are like, let clubs stay open later. Oh my God. That's crazy. That does nothing for me. No. (laughs) I want to be in bed. I don't know. I just feel like we're not really doing enough to help David. Like the next day, At the regatta, Kelly and Donna are, like, watching and, you know, I guess cheering for both teams. Like, they're wearing the hat that just says NFL on it at the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. They're cheering for whoever. And Donna finally says something, and Kelly is just like, yeah, who doesn't act manic sometimes? Again, sister and psych major. And knows that he had a meth problem and that his dad is worried about him.
0: That's the thing. Like, other way around? If Donna had been the one to say who doesn't feel manic every now and then would have landed better. Agreed. But we don't get that. And yeah, so then Donna has to remind Kelly like, "No, no, hold on. His mom literally experienced experiences manic depression." Mm-hmm. So, this could be passed down from her to him. Like this isn't this isn't necessarily like out of the blue, you know? Yeah. And I will say in this
1: scene we find out that Donna did call Mel,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but like Mel doesn't reappear; like he doesn't go find David in this episode. Which I guess this is the thing they're drawing out versus Steve experiencing growth. Which yeah, okay, fine, I'll allow it. Um, I just I also when I saw Mel's name in the guest starring at the beginning of the episode, that's how you know it's serious. He's still showing up.
0: I know, right?
1: Like. I'm so curious what Mel is going to do because none of what he's done has worked so far. Are we going to try another intervention?
0: I would think so. You know, like in my opinion that that may be the only thing. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they got to work real fast because David's not letting anything get in his way. Absolutely not. I mean, he literally like goes to the pee pad I I guess that night maybe like if we're assuming it's that like because a club would still be open I would assume um, if we're going with that California clubs are open way later (laughs) than Georgia clubs Um, so he goes to see Val and first invites her to go with him to this new club knowing that she's working and owning (laughs) a struggling club yeah like is she going to get motivation like I don't anyway so then she kind of like tells him what happens, what happened, like and why she's broke or whatever. But really, she's just talking about how the club is just bleeding cash. And then he basically offers with zero context whatsoever to like help stop the bleeding with his money. And she's like, you have that kind of money? And he's There's like, yeah. no way he does. And there's, more. I know. There's no way. There's no way.
1: He has $200,000 maybe a little more like he went spending so mm-hmm. like yeah he doesn't have 250,000 anymore maybe he's down to like 230,000 but this club is worth more than 400,000 dollars,
0: even half because he wants to buy half interest in the club
1: yeah there's there's just no way yeah and then she gets really excited and hugs him and then they start making out. And I think it is very clear that they're about to bang. Which oh, for is sure. Like, At
0: first I was like, man, platonic mouth kissing. Nope.
1: <laughs> <laughs> David doesn't know the term platonic mouth kissing anymore. True. It is very clear in this episode.
0: True. He needs Andrea back to teach him how to platonically kiss your mouth, your friend on the mouth.
1: <laughs> and what's so kind of wild to me is like we are just like layering on layering because Val is doing this. Like, she's probably making out with him because she has nobody else and he's saving her and, like, this is how she shows affection is with her body. Yeah. And he's probably making out with her just because he's, you know, having – he's experiencing this manic episode and Donna did not reciprocate his kiss earlier. Yeah. Like, Vel is not his first choice. But he – but she is still a choice. (laughs) She was there, which, I mean, what girl
0: doesn't dream of just being there? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but that's it. That's how we end the episode. Fade to black. Yeah, I mean, so, I don't know. I've never, yeah, I've
1: never experienced someone experiencing a manic episode around me that I know of, so I don't know how you handle those things. I don't know if it makes sense that they're, like, trying to like be with kid gloves around him where Mel is like he's not listening to me so I'm backing off which you know might be the right thing I feel like parents usually overstep boundaries Mm -hmm. like when you go to a lawyer to stop your son from getting his money right Um, but then yeah Kelly just being like he's not going to listen to me so bye
0: that seems like the other way you know like the other extreme yeah just.
1: and then yeah Donna tries But it's not really like – I feel like Donna tries in Donna's way and Donna's way is not aggressive enough in this moment. Like she has been stronger with him before. Like when
0: she wanted to quit doing music stuff with him. Mm -hmm. I mean, to be fair, like Donna's 21. She doesn't know what to do. She's like doing the best she possibly can given the information that she has. And she's like, "Ah, where's an adult? I need an adult. You know, That's kind of – yeah.
1: Like she calls Mel and that's when I feel like – You know, probably not the right term, but, like, an intervention. Like, call a Mm -hmm. professional and be like, how do we break through what's going on in his brain? Like, it's chemicals. You can't just make him understand. Yeah, you can't just tell him to stop and it work, you know? Yeah. You have to, like, make him realize what's going on in his life and, like – or, you know, gosh forbid, wait for the episode to end and then, like, who knows where he's going to be mentally.
0: Right, exactly.
1: Like – yeah, I don't have the answers. I don't know these things, but I will be very curious to see how the show handles it.
2: Yep. Yeah. They they threw a lot of symptoms at our boy today.
1: Like Oof. a lot. And it's been very subtle leading up to this, like mm-hmm. the way he acted about – The music and the drinking that he just, like, started doing and Mm -hmm. trying to drop out of school and getting real uppity with his dad over the will, which, again, that was, like, a bad take that Mel had, so. Yeah. But then all of a sudden he goes on a spending spree and he's going swimming in the middle of the night and, like, giving away $200,000 and banging his ex. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. That This is – So classic, just bipolar disorder manic episode. Like, yeah, god, it's just like so easy to like destroy your whole life in 10 minutes because Mm -hmm. it just happens that fast. And like, seeing like David's like really extreme reaction, like when he got the news of his grandfather's death, kind of hits me differently now because he was probably in a really low. And he's been in a really low, depressive state for a while. It's just been hard to notice because he's been substance abusing. Mm
1: -hmm. And
2: now he's like on this wild upswing and it's like a lot more apparent that something is wrong and has been for a while. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, that's such a good point. Yeah.
1: I just had this horrible thought, honestly, that like Kelly's going to finally realize that something is wrong with him aside from like, yeah, you should have called Mel, but like it went, yeah, you should have called Mel. Oh, but who doesn't have manic experiences every now and then? To I think once she finds out that he slept with Val, she's going to be like, something is wrong.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, I hate that that's the thought that runs through my head because that feels like it's not serious enough
0: for our boy, David, but. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you I- think about it, like all the, everyone's a selfish idiot at 21, you know, yeah. like your, your <laughs> scope of how does this how does how do my actions affect others is so small at this point like a little bit more a little bit wider scope than it was in high school but still not where it is today at well I say today for us as (laughs) 32 year olds or some of us all of us yes all All of us us are 32 you know like now when we have certain things happen or we make decisions we're like We can at least see on a global stage like, oh, this affects this person or this might affect this person. But when you're 21, you're only thinking about how things affect you and like, oh, my God, this is the worst thing that could ever happen. And sometimes it is. And unfortunately, right now, like with David, yeah, maybe it takes Kelly taking it seriously when it affects quote unquote her, you know like it yeah. did earlier with the meth stuff with losing baby Aaron, You know? Good point.
2: Yeah. I just kind of wish Kelly took Psych 101 this semester because yeah. she would have just caught everything so fast if Donna had just given her a list. Mm-hmm. Right. I feel like Kelly definitely has
1: a uh, DSM 4 at her house. Like That is something that she bought when she got really into psychology. Definitely.
0: but I wonder if she's being less all about psychology because of her experiences with the cult. Because she was like, if I can be manipulated like this, I don't know anything, you know? Like, maybe I'm thinking too deep about it, but, like, I could see that turning somebody off from wanting to learn. Because she she could be thinking, what's the point? You know, like, so what if I learn all this stuff? I'm still susceptible.
1: Well, yeah, I mean she found the cult through psychology so like maybe it was like a trauma thing and so yeah she did like you know a 45 degree pivot into mm-hmm. like healthcare ish. yeah 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 I don't know I mean it's it's definitely gonna be interesting to see how they handle this agreed <sighs> well
0: did you have a quote of the week this week I actually did not. I didn't deem any quote like all that great.
1: I think that's fair. I mean, <laughs> a lot of what I wrote down was like not anything I would really deem great, right? Yeah. But like just the little things. We've talked about all of them, so I'll keep it brief. But like when Kelly comes into the peach pit and Brandon's like, okay, I'll bite. What are you talking about? Nothing. Nothing. You little brat! And then when Val tells Kelly, "God, I hate you."
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, And say you're pregnant. I'm pregnant. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one. But like, yeah, that's all silly stuff. Or yeah, when Steve—I don't think I have the actual quote, but he's like, "Yeah, I know who Horatio. He's—he's a Shakespeare character. I read the Cliff Notes in ninth grade. I'm not dumb." Yes, you are. <laughs> so, yeah, I wrote stuff like that, but nothing was, like, worthy. I agree. Yeah. What about you, Mary? Do you have any quotes? Or do you have a moment this week? Both?
2: Um, so, I really don't have a good, like, a quote at all that I feel like sharing. Like, you said it, like, God, I hate you, Val, about Kelly. <laughs> I just loved um, it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Let's see. Um, okay, yes. I did actually have a moment of the week, and I'm pretty sure it was before the race or yeah, – hold on. Sorry. I'm, like, trying to place this in the episode. Mm-hmm. I took horrible notes. <laughs> okay, so Claire's wishing Steve luck before he goes on to his boat race, and – She does a little thing where she doesn't like know how to say goodbye to him, so she just like reaches out and touches his titty (laughs) (laughs) and then just drops her hand. It's like, Bye! Oh my god, so that's my moment because, yeah, other than that, like I would just have a gripe of the week, and it would be Brandon being like going full dad,
0: your petty gripe of the week,
2: yep,
1: (laughs) seriously, like that was jim walsh i feel like after she left he would have just been
0: like dad are you here yeah like if jim walsh was there in the background like with a light on him he'd be like excellent son (laughs) like (laughs) (laughs)
1: speaking of darth taylor right like yes let the dad flow through you (laughs) yeah
0: now you fully succumb to the dark side (laughs) oh my goodness well what's
1: next week's episode
0: Next week, we have Season 7, Episode 10, Lost in Las Vegas. I mean, it's
1: David. David's going to Las Vegas, and everyone has to go find him.
0: I'll just say this. I saw something in the synopsis by accident. We get a guest star next week that we've seen before. Oh, damn it. I was going to say, like, it's just been a while. I
1: was trying to think of, like, who would be in residence in Vegas at that time. And <laughs> could be like, Dolly Parton? Celine Dion. <laughs> <laughs> Celine Dion would have just, like, perpetually had a residence yeah. in Vegas. I, I'm just saying, I would go on a Vegas trip and just see all of those Vegas shows. Like, right? I would do it. <sighs> but we'll find out next week. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram
0: at Back2Podcast. You can also shoot us over an email with any of your questions, comments, concerns, or any thoughts at all at back podcast at gmail.com.
2: That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com.
0: And don't forget to go into
1: your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, share it with all your friends and family. All that stuff really helps us get seen and build a community and give you all a better product. And if you leave us a review in Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a shout out on the show because we really appreciate you. So until next week, from all of us at Back to Podcast, it's just a race and I'm not deep enough for subtext.
0: I really just got to go make a new phone code, but with emojis.
2: I got to go Google all of Claire's references. Bye. Bye. See
0: ya.